had to take him to emergency room. So we're going to pray and believe God that, that Jonathan will be released from whatever this is that's trying to grip him because it is not of God. It's of the devil. And so we take authority over that. And Father, we thank you that you are the God of all flesh and nothing's too hard for you. We lift up this need uh, for Jonathan right now in the name of your son, Jesus. Jesus, you bore stripes on your body so that Jonathan can be healed. So we release healing. We ask you to touch him and heal him right now. Satan, we bind you. We command you away from this little boy right now in the name of Jesus. None of the diseases that you brought, Lord, upon the Egyptians are for us or our seed. And you take all sickness away. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So today we're going to talk about the fact that the Lord is attentive to our cry. He is attentive to our cry. Pays attention to us. He stands at attention guarding over us. For whatever need that we have. And I think it's so important for us to realize that God spends his time caring for us so that we can live carefree. Now, he put us on this earth to enjoy life. He didn't put us here to worry, stress, fret. That's why he has a plan. His his creation for us includes a plan for us. So whenever... You think about God, you must include that you're not here just for you, you know, or this wasn't some thought. This is the Bible talks about uh, those who are born not of the will of man, but by the spirit of God. You're born of the spirit of God. And so that trumps and overrides the will of man. Now, you may have been the delight of your parents life and. They wanted you, and that's all well and good, but God conceived of you before he gave you to your earthly parents. Got me? And that's true for all of us. And so the plan that came before, the one that comes after, can't outdo it. That's the best plan. He doesn't cancel. It's the thing about God. He doesn't cancel what he plans for us based on us getting born in in our parents or, or our plans you know you, you don't he doesn't cancel his program for yours his is the better program we have things in us we wouldn't know are there or how to use or what they're for huh seriously if you if you go to a a foreign country where they've never had electricity and give somebody a lamp they wouldn't know what to do with it the same thing with us. We don't know what to do with ourselves. You know. You might have wonderful plans for your children. But you have no idea if they're going to complete that. If they're going to even like it. If they're going to study what they're going to do. You do your best. But when God comes along with a plan. You better cancel your program and go with that. Once you find out really what God wants to do with you. And what you're here for. You need to cancel out everything that came after that. What you have planned since you were a little kid. Oh, I've always wanted to grow up and do so and so. Yeah, that's wonderful. But if it's not falling in line with God's creative plan for you. And people see that more and more in the world now. There's more failure known in the world now than there ever has been before. If you don't believe it, you look at we never had as many mental health issues, drug addicts, documented Sex offenders and, and, and perpetrators. 
it's it's hell out there and it's increasing and it can be attributed to probably only one thing and that's lack of reverence for God that's a universal thing you see that's gone on in the past 50 or so years is people dishonor God don't want him involved in stuff they got big enough and bad enough now to go and shake their finger in God's face and say I don't want you get out of our schools get out of our churches get out of every we don't want you no more And so that has caused a lot of difficulty to come into life where the incidence of failure, if you don't have God's plan, is greatly increased. You just know it. You know it sometimes from the way situations children are born into. If this one makes it and makes something out of their life, it'll be a miracle, you see, because of the extreme circumstances that they're born into. So your natural birth, folks, that that is not your plan. That is not the ultimate of what God has called for your life. What you're doing right now with your life, if you're in God and you're in the will of God, that's your best life that you're ever going to have. And see, we think we're waiting on God to do something so our life can come together. It's together. I hate to be the one to break the news. It's as good as it gets for right now. It's together. It's together. It's together. Uh, it's together as it's going to get. I'm all for the promises of God, but don't make or break your happiness based on whether God answers something for you and when he answers it for you. You know, we're all waiting on the biggie, the one that's going to put us over the top. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, your biggie is within you. Your biggie is yet to come for many of us. And your biggie will be in the realization of the plan of God for your life, the whole plan. He didn't mean us to be people who waited on one great breakthrough in order to get happy. He made us people who our happiness is in him, in knowing him, in in having that contentment, the fruit of God's spirit permeating your being so that you have assurances about your security your safety your life all of those things so if 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 we are to live a carefree life and we're to live this plan that god has for us there are certain things that must be built into it certain things must be built into it and one of them is the knowledge that god cares about us desperately huh tremendously he is attentive to our cry he's attentive to us to help us when we fall into trouble one of the things that christian life has or the religious side of christian life has taught us is that god blesses you if you're good we have a distorted understanding of what imputed righteousness is. You know, we're not good. We have goodness placed upon us. If we turn away from ourselves, then God will place goodness upon us. And so this goodness, imputed righteousness, is something that God imparts to us so that we can cooperate with him in the plan of God. You, you can't... You can't Do God's will if you're not like him. So he puts his righteousness upon our lives. And that makes us like him. And then we're able to function and obey him. Fulfill the plan. Do what he wants done. All of those things. We're able to complete 
what God has for us, all because of a righteousness that he puts upon us. When we don't have that, God wants us to have it. So if you stumble and you make mistakes and things like that and you step over into disobedience, you step over into ignorance, you step over into sin, you get close to the devil's territory, God stands up and watches for you to cry out to him so he can come rescue you. You got me? You got to get an understanding of his great, tremendous, crazy desperate love to help us he allowed his son to take a bloody beating to be rejected and he was the king of glory and deserving of every high honor but he let himself be degraded to the place of taking punishment on our behalf so that we can fulfill the call of God and the plan of God well Part of that fulfillment has to do with keeping us in a place of being able to live for God so it can be fulfilled. And so if God wasn't there attentive to us to rescue us, we would spend a lot of time getting beat up for for things that he's already paid for us not to be beat up for. So he rescues, he plucks you out of trouble so that you don't suffer the way the devil wants you to suffer and he pulls you back over to him in righteousness so that you can go forth in your life in faith and accomplish the things that he set you here to accomplish. He's always waiting to rescue us, folks. You never run out. You don't get like 10 rescues a year and then you're out of the game. He's always there to rescue us. And if you don't think you need rescue and you ain't thinking right. Man, there's so much. Thank God you, you don't have discernment of spirits working on you all the time to see the snares that the enemy has laid for us. You got me? And so God knowing that and knowing that we're walking like through a minefield. You know, the IEDs of life, you know, those, uh, uh, what do they call them? The, what the people, the, the uh, soldiers over in the Middle East, those, yeah, the landmines and things like that that blow their limbs off and they, they don't even know they're there. Don't even know how to detect them sometimes. You do your best, you know, defending yourself and, and invent all these things to help you detect them and then still you miss some. You got me? And so this, this, this business of, of, uh, righteousness and, uh, you know, doing everything right and, you know, not wanting to talk to God if, you know, if you think you messed up and all, they talk to Him. Cry out to Him. We wouldn't need Him being attentive to us if we did everything right. We didn't, wouldn't need, if, and if the devil wasn't here to ensnare us at every turn, we wouldn't need God being, but, and He doesn't do anything unnecessary. Everything that he does for us is necessary for our survival, for our success, for our accomplishment, for our fulfilling the plan of God. Everything that he does is 100% necessary for us. 100% necessary. 
every now and then he'll give you a glimpse, you know, and when God was teaching me and, and, you know, I was writing a prayer manual in some areas like that, he would begin to reveal to me some of the things that could have gone wrong had it not been for him and him alerting me if I needed to be. And then sometimes he just does stuff on his own that we don't even know anything about. Some of it he holds us responsible for. But the end, the bottom line is he's not going to let the devil take you under. He's not going to let the devil, you know, overtake you and over. He's not going to let the devil keep anything that belongs to you. But, but he stands on the ready all the time. Attentive. He's attentive. What does that word mean? Uh, to attend means to take a stand. He's taking a stand for us, folks. He stands at attention for us. It means to stand guard or watch, discerning. It means to preserve. So he wants to preserve us. The word, same word for attend is the word used for bodyguard. Attentive means being careful. It means to be careful to keep. To pursue and minister to. So really what it says is God stands watching over us at all times. Waiting for a chance or waiting for an opportunity or waiting when the need comes up to attend to us, care for us, and minister to us. The word El Shaddai means many-breasted one. That's a literal translation. And what it means is that we serve a God who is capable of nourishing us, not just feeding you. Didn't say the many baby bottled one. Amen. Amen. No. Now there's a difference. You know, there's a difference. You can you can be breastfed or you can be bottle fed. Now, no condemnation to anybody, okay? You got to feed your baby. If you don't feed it, something's going to die. You got me? But to to the natural way before they had modern conveniences was to breastfeed that child. If the mother somehow couldn't produce milk, some woman that could was offered as a surrogate or a substitute. But they put everything in to help that baby to survive because they knew how important it was. Breastfeeding also implies care, comfort, and nourishment. Even though your baby is close to you if you give it the bottle and all that kind of thing. And someone that gets so old, they just don't want to be bothered with you giving my bottle. Drink they you know what I'm saying. But until they're weaned, you know, that's that's what's needed. Well God looks at us all the time. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how much word you know, I don't care how much how grown you are in God, how long you've been to church, how long you've been saved, whatever you want to call it. He looks at us as fragile newborn babies. That's how he cares for us all the time. His attention to us is just like that. When I remember I was working in, in uh, 
of the hospital and, and, you know, always, you know, kind of sometimes you get bored, you go up and look at the babies and maternity and stuff like, you know, hospital people do that. You don't have a lot of time to do that, but sometimes you get a slow night, you know, which is good. And you'll do that. And, and I remember when the sudden infant death syndrome got to be a big thing. There were so many new mothers that said, well, I heard about that season. I watched my baby all night. Some of them were worn out. You know what I'm saying? I put her in the crib with me, and I watch her, and I'll get up. Sometimes I'll just touch her and move her, make sure she... You understand what I'm saying? That's the way God takes care of us. He takes care of us like that. Attentive. Standing at attention. Standing for waiting for a need that he can go minister to us. Standing, waiting, and what do we do sometimes? We don't even talk to him. And then when we know we messed up, we go run, hide from him, don't want to go to church, don't want to, huh? Always hiding from him. Don't want to come on time. No, we need to talk to God because he's standing there at attention waiting for us to tell him what the need is. He knows the need. But you, he can't impose his answer on your life. Faith doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. Your parents don't work like that. Nobody can impose their answers on you. You must give permission. You've got to cry out. You've got to ask. Asking is giving God permission. Asking is acknowledging him as your helper... Because you don't want any other help. You want God's help. See, many times in our so-called seeking answers, we'll ask everybody first. And then it'll finally dawn on us, I haven't gotten anything, I haven't gotten anywhere with all of this. Why don't I ask God? Why didn't you ask him in the beginning? He's been standing at attention waiting to meet every single need you have. He watches over us. He cares for us. The Bible says as a man pities his children. Not feel sorry for him pity, but his heart is touched by us. That's a, 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 an affectionate term. It's a term of love and endearment and affection toward us. Where he wants to help us. You know, sometimes we get in some habits and binds and we lock God out of helping us. You know, you get in your pride and like you know what you're doing. And everybody, you and everybody else know you don't have a clue what's going on in life. Huh? Because the evidence is there. The fruit is there. The problem's not resolved. It's still going on. But yet we'll push push God off. Push God. We won't pray. We won't ask. We won't cry out. We won't. You know, one word from God will change that forever. But we got to let him come in and do his thing. Now we think we're in some kind of contest, you know, you know, it's either the, the best job contest, the best career contest. I get so sick of people in their contests. Thank God when you get to heaven, you won't have to contest with your neighbors. You won't have to keep up with the Joneses. You know, you can do that now. You can live like heaven right now. Psalm 34, if you'll turn there. Hmm. 
verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. When you talk to God and he hears you, you get delivered from attitudes, not just from circumstances. But you get delivered from an attitude of being scared of everything all the time. You know, I, I was always kind of a, a, a bold person in some things when I believed in it, so to speak. But like most people, you don't have a lot of confidence to, to step up and do things. But when I started living for God, I became a whole, I'm a whole lot more sure about things now than I ever was in my life. Because I've been delivered from fear of man. I've been delivered from fear of I can't do it. I've been because God won't put you in a situation where you you won't be able to accomplish what He sets before you. We need to understand that He He backs you up in the things of life, and He'll deliver you from fear of these things because you put your trust over in Him and you realize you're not on display. You're not nobody's trying to uh, to get you in a snare where they're trying to expose you or something. You know, you get delivered from all that nonsense. You you trust God. You call on Him. You let Him help you. You let Him come there, and you get you get consumed with the goodness of God and consumed with the power of God and consumed with the wisdom of God. You won't fear anything. You got me. I mean, there's some things where you. You're reluctant, you're not sure, you're not sure God wants you to do that or is with you, but he can give you assurance of that. But all of us, if we walk with God, you should be a whole lot less fearful about things than you've ever been in your life. You know, if you're living for God, your security is in him. Sometimes we're not really trusting God, and it seems like the more we work and accomplish, the more fearful we become. Know what I'm saying? Like people who have accomplished a lot in life get more fearful because they don't know how to possess it. See, fear of losing it can come upon you. That's why you see all these stress-related work. You know, they want to take you out for a yoga class. But it's because it's real to them. Because the, 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 the burden of having... To be a steward and a possessor of your material possessions weighs you down if you don't have God. See, if God gives it to you, he gives it to you so that you can enjoy it and be carefree. And once you've trusted him one time, you know he's the custodian of everything in your life and you don't have any fears, stresses or worries. But if you don't know that about God, if you don't know he stands attentive, waiting to help you and waiting to come to your aid and rescue and you have relationship with him like that, you'll be stressed about, well, what am I going to do? Suppose I get hmm, got mortgages, notes, all the stuff people have in real life. Suppose I get laid off. Suppose, I, you know, you get a little cold and you, you know, hysterical because you can't afford to miss days. You know what I'm saying? And so God wants to deliver us from the fears. Man, if we could, we could get rid of being scared about everything. Well, one person's happy. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? A fear torments you. That's why people can't sleep at night, need tranquilizers. The wealthiest man in the world, Howard Hughes, before he died, 
was an eccentric neurotic. He, they say he, he let his beard grow down and never, and never shaved his beard. He didn't want to sit on any furniture because he thought it was a contaminated. Uh, he had people around him served him. They said he was just totally insane. You, you know, he just couldn't. Why? Extreme wealth, burdened, trying to hold on to it, keep people from stealing it, manage it, all that kind of stuff. Wealthy people hire people to worry for them. That's why they are lawyers, managers, all to worry for them. Because they can't handle the burden of it without God. You see, you can accumulate wealth, but it always, if you don't have God, it comes with the curse. Curse is fear. Men's heart failing them for fear. You have a lot of heart attacks. You know, it's always the executive's, you know, executive package came with heart attack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they, you, you know, you, when I, my husband was alive, they would have uh, special health care packages for you if you were a manager because, you know, it was a stressful, and you could, you know, they gave you more vacation because you needed it. You know what I'm saying? You carried the burdens of having to manage budgets, having to manage people, having to make sure you be accountable to superiors and stockholders and all its pressure, fear. What if our bottom line doesn't increase this time? What if we get too much outgo and all this kind of stuff? So when he says God heard him and delivered him from his fears, boy, that's a big thing, folks. That ain't no small measure right there. God can get you over into the place where you can be wealthy and enjoy it. You got me? <laughs> Work hard and enjoy it. huh? Then, then that's what you need. But you need to know that God stays, stands at attention wanting to minister to us in our time of difficulty all the time. Sometimes we run into difficulty obeying the will of God. But most times we, we're in disobedience or we've missed it. We missed the mark some kind of way. And that's when you need to cry out to God and ask him to deliver you. So he says, this poor man cried to the Lord. Verse 6, and he heard them and delivered and saved him out of all of his troubles. Verse 4 said, he delivered me from all of my fears. Verse 6 says, he heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him to deliver them. So when you have a covenant with God, when you serve God, when you are born again, you have angels that stand on the ready when God releases them to help them. You've got to cry out to God, though. You've got to ask God to get involved in your life before he can do anything for you. It's a covenant law. He's not going to see you be disobedient. I don't care how bad your attitude is. I don't care how mad you are at God. I don't care how justified you feel at being angry and upset with God and you ain't speaking to him. You'll dig a hole for yourself and it'll get deeper and deeper and deeper until you humble yourself and cry out to him. Huh? Some people, you know, they, they, they're 40 years old going on too. You know, the way they think about, you know, life and, and, and getting things done and getting things resolved. And many people think that they're justified in not cooperating with God 
because life has given them a raw deal. Well, welcome to the jungle, baby. Every, everybody's got their share. You understand what I'm saying? But we're smart enough to know that God is our only hope and our only answer. And if you turn bad on him, huh? if you think you're upsetting his day because you don't want to come to church and you don't want to pray and you want to feel sorry for yourself. and you want to, If you think you're upsetting his day, i got another thought for you. Because God's day is just fine. He wants to make yours better. If you will humble yourself and let him do it. But even when we're disobedient, he still stands on the ready waiting for us. He is hoping that he, we will turn around and get some sense about us. That's why he sends people to pray for us. That's why he sends encouragement and help and hope to us. Hoping that we'll catch on so that he can come in again and bless our life. Well, you, that's true for some people, but my life has never been blessed because your attitude's bad. You won't let God bless you. You understand what I'm saying? You you haven't even tasted to see if the Lord is good. You know, sometimes that's all he wants us to do is trust him this one time and taste and see if he won't help your life. And see, when you're too stubborn and you're too adamant and you're too immature... To turn that around so and step into that arena where your help is, where he stands at attention, waiting for you. He doesn't care how long it takes. He'll still be there for you. There are a lot of people that go to heaven on their deathbed. You know, people go to church for years, play them religious games, and then they, one day they get sick and stay sick. And have to pick up that Bible because that's all the company they have. All the sisters and brothers in the church didn't left them. The kids and left them. The grandkids and the great-grandkids and left them. And they finally pick up that Bible and they read for the first time, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is attentive to our cry. They say, you mean to tell me all I got to do is cry out to God and he'll help me? Ninety years old, been in church all their life. But it's good to find God whenever you find him. Huh? It's good to find him whenever you find him. If you have an opportunity now to accept God as your helper and as your father, as the one who looks out for you, do it. Because your life will be even the better for it. Now, God helps people over and over and over again. Psalm 107 is one of my favorite psalms because it repeats one of the uh, one of the um, verses here repeats over and over again. Psalm one o seven, verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He's good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, north and south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. So here are people who were doing the best they could serving God. Found that they didn't have what they needed, sometimes like us. You know, sometimes you feel like if you do everything You think God wants you to do. You don't really need much help from him. You just go about your merry way. That's not true. These people were obedient to God. This is Israel in the wilderness. 
he led them into that wilderness place and they found themselves hungering and thirsting. The Bible says God did it to prove them whether they would stay with him or go their own way. So you can be doing the best you can being obedient to God and still have difficulty. You can still run into hunger and thirst or lack in some way. But if you will cry out to God, don't sit there and say, well, what did I do wrong? I'm doing everything. Don't sit there and take inventory. He doesn't, he's not attentive to the ones who take inventory. He's attentive to the ones who cry out to him. You need me on the scene to help you. You won't know what to do unless I tell you what to do. You don't know the way out of this difficulty unless I give you the way. And so he wants to keep his children close to him, folks. You know, sometimes you, dads always want mothers to let go of the, let them grow up. Let them, God doesn't ever do that to us. We grow up, but he keeps us close. He gives us responsibility, but he keeps us close. He gives us work to do, but he also keeps us close because he's got to give us equipment and ability to do it. He he wants us to consult with him at every turn. So he's a possessive lover of our souls. He's a possessive parent. He wants to possess us to preserve us. He loves us that much. And he's perfectly willing to let us mature in him and do work for him and all these things y'all grown Christians like to consider yourselves grown enough to do. But at the other side of it, you're still his child. You're still out here in a world that you know nothing about the dangers of. You know, people would pray those prayers. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us from dangers seen and unseen. There's so many unseen things set against a believer. That you could fall prey to. You just stick your hand in a snare. And so you, you, you come back with, with a need for God. You, you, you're made aware of how much you need him and how often you need him. It says here down in verse 10. <clears throat> verse 9, I'm sorry. He satisfies a longing soul, fills a hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Because they rebelled against the words of the Lord. Now here's somebody in trouble, in prison, in jail. Because they rebelled against the word of the Lord and and condemned the counsel of the Most High. That's a person 40 years old going on too. You can't give them the word because they don't want to hear the word. Their life isn't working, they're mad about it. So they want to make everybody uncomfortable because they're mad about they messed up and don't know. This is that person. God's even standing at attention waiting for that person to cry out to him so he can remedy, give them answer, take the fear away and love them and help them. Because that's what they need. They need the love of God. You know, sometimes people get so hard-headed, they don't even listen to counsel anymore. You, you, if you're a pastor, you know when the door's not open to speak to people and help them. Because they shut it down. They don't want to hear what you have to say. And God, then, is that person's only help. He would like to help you through counsel. He would like to help you uh, have friends and have and fit in with people, all that, be a social type being, all that kind of stuff. He wants you to help you have a normal life. But sometimes you can be so stuck and angry and upset, you push everybody away. You know, every, every church has got one. It's the porcupine saint, you know. 
You try to rub them, you know, hug them, they prick you. And you know what I'm saying. God even likes a porcupine. He's standing attention waiting for the little porcupine. Huh? Put your quills away. You ain't scaring God. We all know you need love. You want to be loved. You want to be helped. You want out of your situation. Verse 11, because they rebelled against the word of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. In other words, pastor tell you something. I know. I know. I know. Everybody knows everything. But you, you don't do anything about it. You don't receive counsel. Let it penetrate your heart. Let God break you down from your, your hardness and your roughness so that his word can come in, his love can come in. The Holy Spirit can live with a porcupine. You know, he don't care how tough you think you are. He's there to help you. He says, therefore, in verse 12, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Finally, thank God for verse 13. They finally got a brain. They finally got some sense. Then they cried unto the Lord and he heard them. After rejecting him, rejecting his servants, he's talking about the nation of Israel. Rejecting Moses, wanting to, you know, throw Moses out, kill him and Aaron and just go back to Egypt. Huh? It's a sad day when a saint resents their salvation. But that's what they did. They didn't want to be saved anymore. They didn't want to be God's chosen possession. Why? Because they couldn't have what they thought they wanted. Huh? Didn't want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and God's saying, if you would just try this one time, you see. He's not saying, trust me with everything. He's saying, taste and see that I'm good. Taste and see that the Lord, just try it one time. Try crying out to me and letting me help you and see if your life doesn't improve. That's what he's trying to get people to do. That's what he wants the homosexual to do. That's what he wants the backslidden pastor to do. That's what he wants a disobedient Christian to do. Just taste one time. You know what? People have sit in church for years saying they know God and they've never really trusted him to do anything. Because if they did, they'd see that he's good. He knows how to prove himself to people that don't want to trust him. God takes care of you all your life. And you've got your heart set on this one thing that you want out of life. And because he won't give it to you today. Mad at everybody, quit speaking to people, act all dry when they come around. You know, the desert saints, the, the sand saints, the ones with sand in, sand in their mouth, you know. And the dry ones, just going through the motions, mad at God. You know, I've been believing God. You ain't believing nothing. Huh? Because you know that you, if you believed God, you'd have a smile on your face. You'd be content. You'd be peaceful. You'd be loving. You'd be kind. You'd be, you know, you'd, you'd act like you got some God about you. Huh? And so he says, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. Pulled them all the way out into a, a great and peaceful place. God gives you what you need, folks. We have all these great grandiose ideas about what we want from God. But he gives you what you need. He has a protection built in for you 
so that you don't you don't destroy yourself with your wants and your lusts and your desires. He has that built in. It's called an inheritance. He knows what you need when. He says, you know what? The plan that I have for you does not include you throwing away your life with somebody you say is saved. Huh? And they treat you like a dog for the rest of your life. Huh? I have something better for you. Huh? Everybody thinks, are the kids here? Go to sleep. Y'all, if you kids, go to bed. Uh, you know, you know, people think they got to have everything before they're 30. And then it takes them five years to wake up to the fact that it was the wrong decision. And then they go through the rest of the 30 paying for it. See, it's a big price to pay. If what you're doing is not the plan of God for you, if it's not the appropriate time for you in your life, if you think you're hot to go do something, and you, you know you get the the sweats about it and all it does, put the sweats away, okay? Because God has a better plan for you than all of that. Look at Abraham and Sarah. Couldn't have children until they were ninety and a hundred, respectively. See. And everybody's all hot to get everything before they, you know, 25, 29. I was like, you're going to be living at 30 and 35. Just make sure the decision you make in your 20s will help your life in your 30s. And see, if God doesn't see that it's going to help your life down the, down the road for you, he's going to do everything he can because he is attentive to us. He watches over every decision we make. Every thought, every plan, he watches over that with a godly jealousy because he has better things in store for us than us throwing our lives away on sex. Say three letter word. You got it? I said that in front of your poppy too. And your mommy. Huh? But that's the world. That's what the world. Huh? You know, them little Duggar boys, I feel sorry for them because they're going to be chaperoning. Because Jim Bob's serious about them. He's serious. He ain't throwing them. Uh-uh. Jim Bob said, listen, you don't know what I had to do to feed them. You don't know what I had to do to clothe them. You don't know what I had to do to get the word in them and get them to be good kids and nice kids. No, I'm not throwing away for that. They ain't cheap. I didn't put cheap in them. And I ain't giving them away cheap either. You understand what I'm saying? And that's the way God feels about us. Even more so. He doesn't care about how old you get. And you think you can't do it after a certain age. Can I say that? Right, Poppy? <laughs> you know, the devil will torment your mind over stuff like that. You know, you, you jump into a, a relationship till death because you want something to last for one night. I would say the balance ain't there. One night till death. One night, it'll kill you. Huh? It'll kill you. 
You know, you can you can have a good life. You know, people married people understand this. Single people don't. Sex is important until you get married. (laughs) Right, Poppy? (laughs) Now listen to all the single people. What'd she say? (laughs) My my pen won't write. Yeah, right. You had to keep your ears open and pay attention. Everything the devil dangles at you is important until you get it. Until you get it. Until you get it. You get it and then you see what you got. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. God stands at attention for us. He he does. In Mark chapter 10. I I like to think that Jesus was waiting for for people in their faith. He just stood there waiting, attentive, on watch, on guard, the bodyguard over our souls and over our life. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46, I think it is. And they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So Jesus is walking out of the city, and this man has been sitting there already. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many people told him to shut up. Don't bother the master. This is the entourage. He's too busy. Huh? This is the preachers of L.A. And the entourage. They're too busy to, to take care of the sheep. But they can get in front of a camera. And try to cause people to backslide. Because they don't live holy. Jesus didn't have that kind of entourage. They were following him for what they could get just like everybody else and he knew it. So he had to stay attentive to what the father was telling him was his business to do. See, you can't get swept up in, in the perks or the side things, the side dishes of life. You've got to stay with the main course. Jesus knew what he was there for. And he stood at attention to do certain things. And it's the same thing we saw in Psalm 34 and Psalm 107. To the cry of the righteous. He stands attentive to give us what we need in our time of desperation and our time of crying out. So even though he was moving in the company of people, his spirit is still alert and attentive to the cry of those who need him. And he says here, many charged Bartimaeus that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. In other words, there are many voices that will come to you and try to drown out the cry of God from you. Make you think God don't want to help you. Make you think you'd have messed up for the last time. He's never going to help you again. Look at what you did with your money. You done got all messed up and it's, everything's falling apart. You can't fix this. You can't fix that. How are you going to get out of this mess? Cry out to him. Cry that much more the louder. 
you got to cry over the voices of discouragement that tell you you've gone too far. He's not going to help you. He doesn't have anything to help you with. He doesn't care about you. And he says here, Jesus stood still. That attention. He is attentive to our cry. Our cries stop him dead in his tracks. Our cries say, don't go any further. This is the one you need. This is the one you've been waiting to have cry out. Do you know that is goofy, messed up, stupid, and, and, and arrogant, and, and mean as we can be sometimes, he still will stop and give us attention when we cry out? He still will stop and do it. Your nasty don't move him. Your bad attitude don't move him. Your arrogance don't move him. Your thinking you don't need him don't move him. Nothing moves him but your cry. Care less about your stupid attitude. Cry out. You need him. I need him. And he says, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. He commands our attention onto him. Commands us to fix our gaze upon. Commands us to listen to his word. Sometimes you'll listen to God's instruction. You say, no, this is important. I better do this. That's that command in his, in his voice and his wanting to help you. And he says, they call the blind man. <clears throat> and they call the blind man saying to him, be of good comfort. Arise. He calls you. Yeah. Be of good comfort. When you know God hears your cry, that's a comforting thing. See, you know, see, when you know he hears you, the Bible says, then you know you have the petitions that you're, when you know he hears you, that's when the comfort comes because you know your answer is coming and it's right there. And he says, he's calling you and him casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. Your garment, your funky attitude, your prickly pears. That's right, honey. Bye-bye preaching. Your, your, prickly, your prickly situation. You don't want to come to church on time. Your attitude got your mouth stuck out about everything. Defiant. People try to help you, try to encourage you, and you still defy them. He, he, you cast all that away. See, once you know God's going to help you, you give up stupid real quick. And you come into your senses. You say, you know what? I've been being stupid. God really does want to help me. See? There are a lot of people stay in church all their life, honey, and never understand God is here to help them. Stay in an attitude of, of, of darkness. Not understanding deception. Foolishness. And we all got a little bit of that on us. You know, all it needs is, all we need is for God to bless us one time. Or not bless us one time. And we often run into stupidville. But he stands attentive. Jesus was walking. But his spirit was at attention. Like this. Looking around. Trying to inspect. Seeing. Who needs me? Who wants me? And when he that man hollered. He said come here. Come here. See I heard you the first time. Come here. But the fact that he cried out all the more. Brought Jesus fully into his, in the presence of that man. That's what you want. For God to come in on your mess, on your stuff, on your situation, on your nonsense. Come fully into your nonsense and everything you were nonsensical about falls off of you. Huh? When you're in the presence of God, all that stuff falls off. 
And that's why he answers you. So you can get out of your nonsense and get over into tasting, asking what, what, what does he, you want him to do for you. So he says, and Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? See, this is where we quit lying, folks. This is where if you want something, you understand what it is you want and you're not afraid to ask for it. Bartimaeus said, this man has been walking past here all the time, all these people around him. You mean I finally got his attention? He says, what do I, it's a blank check request. You fill in the blank. Can you be honest enough with God to tell him exactly what you want? Can you trust him enough to believe that he'll give you exactly what you ask for because he loves you that much? Or just because he said so. Or maybe you don't know why because. But can you trust him to, if you could spit it out of your mouth and say, God, I really want this right now. The religious. We want, but we want to find out what we got to do first to get it. And you can live years like that. Thinking there's something else you need to do before God will bless you. There's nothing else you need to do. Can you believe there's nothing else? You mean God, all I got to do is cry and say, help me, give me my sight. Help me, give me a job. Help me, I need help with my family. Help me, I don't get along with my husband. Help me, I don't get along with my kids. Help me, I don't get along with my Yeah, help me, I can. You mean he'll do it? Oh, yeah. He's waiting for somebody to take him at his word. I will help you with that. I will do that for you. I have a plan for you. Come here and I'll tell you my plan. Oh. Well, I don't know if I like your plan. I'll help you with that. Huh? He'll help you with that. See, this is the great conflict in the human mind. God has a plan. Whew, I got a prophecy. I'm all excited. But then we don't know if we want it. He can help you with you. You don't know if you want it. He can help you with that. He can help you. If he couldn't help you with that, what do you think you're doing here? Why do you think he saved you? If he can't help you with your I don't want to's and I ain't sure's. Moses had an I ain't sure. It took God two verses of scripture to straighten that brother out. Takes him less with us. You know why? We got a better covenant. We got the Holy Spirit living in you to help you and talk to you all day long and counsel you and convince you that God's way is the best way for you. And that he loves you and he wants to help you. That's all God wants you to know, folks. He stands at attention. Watching over you. Like a mother with a fragile newborn baby, not wanting that baby to be hurt, harmed in any way. You know, parents, we, uh, I used to get upset if parents would get their children's ears pierced when they were babies. You know, because sometimes it does work out to be a disaster. Black people do have keloid genes in them sometimes and used to have a baby with a big ugly scar. You know, you wait until the baby gets old enough to hurt themselves and get scarred, healed, right? And you know what I'm saying. It's nurse stuff. But God so is so attentive to us, he wouldn't think about piercing anything. 
because he pierced his son for you. Not to have any problems in life, not to have any pain in life, not to have any suffering, any torment in life. Do you understand me? He so wants to spare us from discomfort, disaster, all of those things. He stands at total attention to help us at every juncture. He doesn't care, folks. Does not care what it's been about in the past. He doesn't care your disappointment. He doesn't care about any of that. He just wants you to cry out to you, to him. Why don't you stand to your feet? We'll worship God a little bit. We're going to bless the Lord and thank him for being attentive to us. Wanting us to cry out to him. You're not too old to cry out to God. You're not too young to cry out to God. He knows he, he knows all of us. He knows your uprising and down sitting, the Bible says. He knows when you get up, how long it takes you, if your knees hurt. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Crying out to the Lord. Put in some music on, little Howard, something worshipful. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just let this be your little prayer closet between you and God right now? Everybody. Whatever it is that you think you need from him. You think you, uh, something that, that you may, may have come up in your mind while we were talking about how he loves us and how attentive he is to us. Sometimes it, it, you'll realize that you haven't known the plan of God for your life. I mean, at all. And you need to know that. You need to know the plan of God for your life. Some of us know the plan of God and we don't like parts of it. We cry out and tell him, God, I don't like this part. Fix me so I'll know how to accept what you have for me. Sometimes we are thinking about ourselves. Always getting second best. Never getting top shelf. Never getting the best of anything. Or so we think. Sometimes the devil has you deceived into thinking that you're not a desirable person. Nobody loves you. And so you act that way. He wants to change all of that stuff. You know, he, he wants a bride without spot or wrinkle. But somebody's really content in him and trusting him. More than anything, he wants our trust. So that we can... Go forward in life unhindered. He wants us to be content people, not fearful people, but trusting. Trusting him and trusting those people that he's put into our lives to do good. He wants to do us good. Can't hear it. Thank you. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody needs prayer, why don't you come up and get prayer now, amen?